Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Starting Small Music Podcast. I'm your host, Justin McCormick, and today we have a very special guest with us. We have Wade Davis, guitarist for Lauren Watkins. You're going to hear Wade's story of growing up in South Carolina and what first got him into music. You'll also hear about his time at Belmont, playing shows on Broadway, and stories from the road now touring with Lauren Watkins. I had a great time talking to Wade. I hope you guys enjoy the episode, and we'll see you at the end. Just keep a smile on your face and it'll be okay. Try not to be bitter. You gotta do it either way. Keep a smile on your face and it'll be okay. So when life throws a jab, you gotta duck out of the way. How you doing today, Wade? Pretty good, you? Good, man. So getting right into your story, where did you grow up and uh, what was your childhood like? So I grew up in South Carolina, um, town called Honey of Pass, South Carolina. It's upstate, it's about an hour south of Greenville. And really, as a kid, I always wanted to be a rock star. <laughs> it's kind of a joke for a long time, but my dad got me into like 80s hair metal when I was real young, probably in elementary school or so. And I always said I wanted to play guitar, never really took the time to do it. And then I think I was like 13, something like that. My dad, me and him went to the pawn shop and he he's a construction superintendent. And at the jobs, they just like throw away tools when they're done with them or whatever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he had like $100 left at the pawn shop and told me to go pick a guitar off the wall. And I was like, okay, now I have a real guitar. So I guess I have to like actually learn how to do this thing. Yeah. And it just kind of went from there. Luckily, there was a nice music scene back at home. So it didn't take long for me to kind of get into the local bar stuff. But, but yeah, man, did that and then moved to Nashville a couple years back. I think it was three years ago. Um, moved to college, came to Belmont, and just kind of doing the thing from there, I guess. For sure. Now, you mentioned 80s hair metal. I, I feel like it's cool because I feel like most musicians like our age like came off having parents that were in that scene. Who were some of like, the first bands you remember listening to or gravitating towards uh, during that age? And Twisted Sister was like my band. Yeah. I like, fell in love with them from the start. And then from there, I... I don't really even know. Twisted Sister, I really got into Motley Crue for a while there. And then once COVID hit, it was like I went down like a metal, like a new metal kind of rabbit hole. <laughs> but, but yeah, Twisted Sister was probably, that was probably the first one that like really got me down like a rock train, kind of wanting to do that thing for fun. <laughs> Now, that first guitar that your dad got you at the pawn shop, was it an acoustic, or have you been uh, shredding on the electric uh, ever since you started? Yeah, it was a Squire Stratocaster. I don't know what year it was. It was probably from early 2000s, late 90s or something, but it was a Sunburst Strat with a – oh, I think it had a white pick guard on it when I bought it. I don't know. I switched the pick guards like five different times on it, so I don't really know what it was, but I think it had a white one when I bought it. But I kept it for probably two years and then traded it in and bought an acoustic because I needed an acoustic and had like four electrics at that point. <laughs> now, I don't know how you feel, but I mean, I feel like the Squire, I mean, even though it's a cheap guitar, it's got like, it's, it's, it's fun to play on, you know, it's easy to solo on. They're really, 
they're hit or miss, but they're really good guitars. I heard a guy one time talking. I don't remember who it was. I wish I could remember who told me the story, but there was some really big session guy, and he played a pink Squire Strat, and he played that like his whole career. He was making albums with A-level artists, and he still played that Squire Strat like all throughout. And it sounded fine. You never know the difference. And from there on, I was like, all right, it doesn't matter about the guitar. It's more about the player than it is how much the guitar costs. <laughs> but... So in high school, uh, did you start kind of forming like bands with your buddies or what was that? What was some, some of your first gigs you started playing? So in high school, I started in, I think I was 15. I started playing with, there was a band back at home called the Tailgate Homeboys. <laughs> it's kind of funny name, but they were some of my really close friends. They were all my parents' age. So um 40s to 50s era or age frame but they were kind enough to let me get up and sit in with them and play songs in a live setting and I thought that was so cool um and just from meeting people that they were friends with going out to gigs and stuff um got connected with some of the other local guys and uh there was a band called the Anna Lee Band that needed a guitar player. And so I started doing that and I played with them on and off for about three years. And about a year before I moved up here, I started playing with another band back home. But in high school, I really, I didn't play outside, like, cause I went to the Fine Arts Center in high school. So um, we got to do uh, jazz performance and things like that during school. Yeah. So outside of school, I didn't really play with anybody under the age of probably 30. Just that was who the that was who the musicians that were getting paid. Those those were those guys. So I was like, I want to get paid as a musician. So I think that's a I'll start hanging out with these people and see what they're doing <laughs> instead of hanging out with the teenagers who are playing house shows for free, you know. Right. How do you think that helped you by kind of jumping in with guys like that? I honestly, I think it helped me a good bit because just because when you surround yourself with people who are players that you want to be, or not necessarily players that you want to be, but players that are better than you and things like that, when you surround yourself with those kind of people, it makes you want to do better. It makes you want to be a better musician. It makes you want to surround yourself with better people. So when you surround yourself with, you know, other musicians that are on your same level or or less than it kind of, I don't know, it just doesn't put you in the best headspace to want to do better. You know, in order to do better, I feel like you need to surround yourself with people that are doing what you want to do, you know. Yeah. Were you playing uh, mostly rock at that time or were you guys doing any country? I was doing the complete opposite. I was doing old country, like, Jason Aldean was um, – I got told one time I wanted to play a Jason Aldean song on a gig. It was She's Country. Mm-hmm. And um, the singer told me that it was against their morals to play bro country. <laughs> so, no, it was all old country until probably 2019, I think. That's when wow. I finally started, like, branching out and really getting into, like, newer stuff and, like, learning all that kind of thing. For sure. Uh, 
yeah, it was it was a wild ride back at home. <laughs> now, but playing with like the older guys that said they didn't want to play like bro country, uh, were you more interested in the older country or did you kind of like that like early 2000s country that had more like the rock edge to it? Um, I mean, honestly, I like it all pretty evenly, but I did like playing the newer stuff because the crowd engagement, like the the interact or the wow, that was not the correct word at all, but the engagement that the crowd offers with the newer, you know, it's more upbeat, more rocking kind of vibe. It just kind of gets the crowd going more. So I was trying to push towards that because, you know, I'm trying to make a career. And if the crowd's more happy, then that means that they're going to pay more to come see the show. Sure. So that was where I always leaned toward, you know, what made the crowd happier because we were doing cover band stuff at that time. It wasn't – we'd play like one original a night, maybe two originals. Yeah. So – yeah, I was just trying to make the crowd happy, and I thought it was funny. But I do – I guess I, you could say I kind of gravitate more towards that 2000 stuff just because it, it's it got more of a driving beat to it, a lot of it. But Now, take me to, like, your senior year of high school. What are you thinking about the, uh, the plan is uh, after graduation? So, my senior year of high school was a – it was interesting because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I knew I wanted to play guitar. But I didn't know if I wanted to just move to Nashville and play guitar and try and make it or if I wanted to go to school or there was a school in North Texas that I was thinking about taking jazz studies at. But I really wanted to be in Nashville because I don't know, I was just as a guitar player, like I was always kind of told from all the music stuff that I'd ever watched, like Nashville or L.A. And I wasn't big on the idea of L.A. I always, like, I, when I was young, we lived in, I left this out earlier, we left in Tennessee for, in Cookville for about eight years before we moved to South Carolina. And so I always said I wanted to come back to Tennessee, so it just kind of worked out. But I decided that uh, my parents said that they weren't going to let me just do whatever I wanted. I had to have a plan and I never had a good back or like I never, never had a good plan that didn't involve going to school. Yeah. So my mom was like, all right, so you kind of have to go to school. <laughs> so I'm not complaining. I mean, I, they, uh, they put me up at Belmont and it's been really nice. What do you, but, do you end up picking uh, to study at Belmont? Uh, music business. I was going to do the MTSU program because they have something really similar, but at, um, at UT MTSU, the, the degree was like a bachelor's of science mm -hmm. and in Belmont, it was a bachelor of business administration. So I was like, I feel like it would be better to have the bachelor's of business administrations considering the school thing is kind of a fallback. Yeah. Or something to fall back on. So but yeah, that was that was ultimately why I wound up going with Belmont instead of MTSU because MTSU was offering a lot better scholarship program or a lot better scholarships and things. I remember uh, you had mentioned in the in the round podcast that like mostly the reason why you wanted to get the music business degree was kind of like seeing a lot of guitarists do like the guitarists and like doing a little tour managing like when they're first starting on the road. I mean, that you're already coming into it with like a music business mindset. How do you think that's gonna help you down the road? I'm hoping that it's going to help me when 
because later in life, you know, I'm not going to be able to play guitar and tour my whole life and make money with it, probably. Yeah. I mean, just realistically, I feel like after a certain age, I'm probably going to start coming off the road and things like that. But that's kind of – I wanted it for that reason more so when I'm, you know, taking a step back maybe from guitar and I want to add – or maybe I want to start a business. Maybe I want to start a music company or, or, or a music store. Or who knows what. You yeah. know, hopefully it'll help out with that as well. But like you mentioned with the guys playing guitar and tour managing, I – I see some people out there tour managing and, and don't get me wrong. I by no means think I'm a good tour manager. I did it a little bit with um, some artists here and there, but school definitely doesn't teach you everything you need to know. You need yeah. to, if, from what I've seen, at least if you want to really tour manage or MD and things like that, school will help and it'll, it'll help show you certain things that the business kind of already expects you to know, which is nice. But other than that, I, my best suggestion for learning how to like learning what things to do as a tour manager or as an MD are talking to good ones. You know, if you've been on the road with somebody that you respect as a tour manager, just ask them like, Hey, can you send me like a mock email of what you send for an advance email to a venue? Because, you know, like I was doing some things with Noah Hicks when I was playing with him mm -hmm. and I really didn't know much about MDN and our tour manager was kind of leaving at the time as well when I was coming into that position and I had a lot to learn there in school. Like I was in an artist management, artist management class, but it was more on the day to day. And so I wasn't really getting that tour manager skills more so day to day managing skills. Yeah. Uh, just talking to people that you're on the road with and um, getting advice from them, I feel like is a really good way to do that. Or even if you're not on the road, you're going to live Oak you know, or wherever talking to your friend or talk, meeting people, talking to guys that, you know, are on the road and just being like, Hey, I was wondering if you'd want to grab coffee or grab lunch or something. I kind of just want to pick your brain about some stuff. You would be surprised at how many people are very open to just having coffee with you or getting lunch and talking to you about that kind of stuff. For sure. Now take me back to when you first moved to town, uh, I, you probably started getting on the Broadway scene. I know you still play on Broadway. How did you pick up some of your first gigs? Man, I moved to town in 2020. It was August of 2020. And, I mean, I was a freshman in school. My first year, I kind of just partied, to be honest. I didn't really go out to the music scene much. We would go to Lonnie's Western World down near Broad or down near Printer's Alley, but we did, I didn't really do much other than that freshman year, but sophomore year, I kind of started getting away from Belmont a little bit, started going to, I talked to some friends and some guys were like, dude, you need to go to Live Oak, you need to go to Whiskey Jam. And I was like, perfect. And I had just gotten, um, I had just gotten my 21st ID at the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so we, uh, I started going to Whiskey Jam and, 
Live Oak and progressively Red Door from there just because that's where everybody else was going. And, man, I just started talking to people. Just if you thought you knew somebody, even if you didn't, be like, hey, man, like, sorry, I thought you were one of my buddies, but figured I'd come introduce myself. Mm -hmm. I, I met Cody Bradley that way, and me and him are friends. You know, I thought he was another guy that I knew, and sure enough. But just going out and meeting, just talking to if you if you can go to Whiskey Jam with one friend that maybe has been in town for a couple months, whatever, you just go out with them, meet all the friends that they introduce you to, and more if you can, whatever. And friends hire friends. So the more connections and the more people you know in the town, I think it definitely helps. But um, I kind of got my first gigs really just doing that. I made friends with a big friend group in town. We all kind of just became, I don't know. It was like, there were like three or four different little friend groups and then they all kind of combined and it was just one big one from there. And it was a lot of artists and a few guitar players. And so all the artists needed guitar players and that got me playing live Oak and some whiskey jams here and there. And like I said, from there, you just kind of, meet people i met noah at live oak actually <laughs> and not long later he needed a, um his guitar player had left and he reached out from literally seeing me at live oak so that was really cool now so you play guitar for lauren watkins uh now on the road how did you guys meet did you guys meet on the the bar scene or was that the uh, connection lauren we um I was out with Noah on an earnest run and Lauren's uh, a friend of mine, Chris Gladden, he plays for Morgan now. Mm -hmm. He, um, he texted me and said, Hey, I got his filling weekend. It's 10 roof run. Um, Memphis, Birmingham told me what pay was, whatever. And I was like, yeah, I'm free. Put me down. I'm cool with it. And he said he would send my information to management. And I'm thinking, this is a 10 roof run. Like we have management involved, but <laughs> all right. And uh, sure enough, the next day. So it was the second day of this earnest run with Noah. And I would just gotten told maybe 20 minutes before that Seth England and um, Austin Neal, there was a bunch of guys that were all at the show. It was the first night of Ernest's um, Suckers for Small Towns tour. Mm -hmm. And they were all there, and I just had a terrible night. Like, I played so bad. Like, the tracks were kind of messed up. I had played pretty bad. It was all over the place. And we're unloading the, the trailer, and I get a call, and it, says, it was uh, Braden. Um, man, I'm brain or Braden losing Griffin. his name. Yeah, but um, Braden Griffin, yeah. He called. He said, hey, this is Braden Griffin from Big Loud. And uh, he's like, is this Wade Davis? And I'm, like, panicking because I'm thinking all these big guys from Big Loud are here the first night, and I do a bad job, and they're going to, like, kick us off the tour or something. <laughs> oh, man. And, uh, sure enough, he was asking about that, and it was really – and then went and did the show with Lauren and talked to her. She was looking for a full-time guitar player coming up at the top of the year, and – I was looking for some more work too. So it kind of wound up working out and 
it's been a wild ride since it's been fun now seeing videos of you on the road it's funny because i feel like uh i see a little bit of tyler tomlinson and you and uh your stage dance moves uh who are some of the guys that kind of influenced your stage presence you feel like honestly it's kind of funny you say that because tyler um tyler is a, a big influence on my stage presence for sure you got that little sway he does you know i've seen yeah <laughs> I've, i used to watch a lot of videos of him and luke um when they were doing the Morgan stuff mm -hmm. and back in like 2017 to like 2020 ish range, mm -hmm. I was watching a lot of their stuff and I was like, man, it kind of looks funny, but it also kind of looks really cool. And I feel like it goes with the show and it's pretty neat. Yeah. So over time I've kind of tried to work that in, but, but with all the, you know, like we were talking about earlier, I was big into that, I got into that new metal stuff and had some friends that were into that scene and watching how they work the stage is just really, it's really interesting and how they do the bouncing thing on some of the heavier parts. And I don't know, just watching different guys and how they can really like engage the crowd without being too much. Like yeah. I have a friend at home that used to play for Ash and Craft for a while, and uh, he's doing some other stuff now. But he has a very unique stage presence, and it resembles Tyler's as well. Um, but I just watching him and watching how the crowd interacts with, like, what he's doing on stage, I was like, okay. I was like, I kind of want to take bits and pieces from what all these guys are doing and try and figure something out that works for me. But because I don't like doing too much, sometimes yeah. I'll get videos and I'm like, man, I really should have should have backed off of that. some. <laughs> but, but yeah, watching a lot of the metal stuff and seeing guys like him, or I would say probably that was that's probably definitely where I like took all the bits and pieces from with it. But that's dope. Now, I saw you got to see uh, Morgan, uh, Hardy, Ernest all play down in Mississippi a couple weeks ago. What was that like to kind of see your label mates just, like, crush it up there? Man, it was really cool. I've never – I've always wanted to see a, a Morgan show. I've seen Hardy a few times, but I've never seen Morgan. And um, it was really cool. I've done shows with Bailey and Ern, and seeing them up there was really cool as well. But, yeah, man, it was – it was a really good time getting to, you know, see all my friends kind of up there, you know, on stage. Cause I'm, I'm better friends with Bailey and Irons crew than Morgan and Hardy's, but still, you know, even seeing those guys up there, they, it shows you what you can do different to make a better show. And just seeing what they're doing is wild. It's a really, it's a really cool experience, and I would definitely suggest anybody who has a chance to go see that show with all four of those acts to go do it. You will, your money will be well worth spent. I, th I think. Oh, yeah, no, and I know you've also been dabbling in a uh, like starting to write too. Uh, are you doing that on your off days in town, or are you and uh, Lauren pitching song ideas back and forth in the in the van? How's that been going? Um, it's kind of really. So far, it's just been on my off days kind of thing, which school just let out last week, so I've got a lot more free time, and I'm really wanting to try and get into it some more. But, yeah, I try not – so I, I haven't gotten – I haven't done too much writing 
only a little bit here and there. I've been wanting to get into it more, though. Me and Rocky had talked about doing some things here and there. Yeah. Um, and I've talked with some other people about it, but I don't – I try not to bug the artists I'm playing with too much on a writing sense mm-hmm. because, um, like, when I was with Noah, at least, I don't know. It's just, you know, that's kind of – I feel like it it's almost like a family member trying to write, you know. You're like work crew, but you're also really personally connected, so you it, you feel bad saying no. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I, I don't like to put artists in that situation, even if it is like isn't like that, I guess. But but yeah, I really just kind of trying to I've got a lot of friends in town that are doing a pretty good job with their writing skills and um just trying to see what I can learn from it. I'm not really sure if writing's a venture that I really want to go down and try and pursue or not, but I'm always open to try anything. So we'll see what happens. For sure. Now I'd like to close my interviews by asking, uh, what's a piece of advice you've learned uh, along your journey that you'd give to some of the other musicians out there that want to be in your spot? My biggest piece of advice I would probably give is network. And I know it sounds a lot easier said than done, but it, really is that easy to just do um being in school you hear kids ask professors and ask uh guest speakers all the time like what do you do to network like how did you network when you moved to town and things like that and it's it's almost kind of funny to hear when you see how easy it is to meet people in this town because there's this sense of community and you hear about it all the time, but there really is a sense of community in this town, especially with the musicians and the artists and, you know, people want to help each other. I feel like, or at at least that's how I've, you know, people have brought me in like that. So I try to do the same for, you know, my friends as well, but um, I would definitely say just, you know, if you hear of a writer's round and you know one person on the bill, go. It doesn't matter. If you only know one person, go to the writer's round. If you've got, if you've got time, at least, you know, don't be stressing yourself out too much because I did that at one point too. Mm-hmm. But, but if you have the time, just go. Talk to your friend that's playing. And, you know, they're playing in that writer's round with people that they probably don't know either. So they probably just met them. And if you're friends with them, then you can meet them too, most likely, you know. And then now you've got five friends instead of one at the same bar, you know? Yeah. And just kind of constantly doing that. You know, if you have a day off and whiskey jams happening or there's a round at Live Oak or the local or wherever, you got a friend playing a show, go see him. Go see your friends play. Go do that kind of thing because the more people see your face also, the more they're going to think of you. Yeah. More you're out at bars or, you know, no, I don't want to say bars because that can be a negative connotation, but, or it can have one, but, you know, the more you're out at shows or things like that, where a lot of these guys that are doing what you want to be doing, at least are at, just go, you know, go hang out. If, you know, even if you don't talk to them, you know, I mean, I would suggest talking to them, but if you don't talk to them, you know, just having your face there and them seeing you, and then them seeing you more and more times is going to just, you know, it's going to lead to you getting calls or 
getting texts or them throwing your name in for a gig or whatever, you know? No doubt. Things like that. Just network, network, network would be my best piece of advice. Well, guys, there you have it. My conversation with Wade Davis. Wade, thank you again so much for coming on the show. I had a great time talking with you. Everyone go follow him on Instagram at Wade underscore Davis 16. And make sure to come back next week to hear my conversation with Tim Renkin, utility musician for Riley Green. Check out Starting Small Music on YouTube to see all the video content from our interviews. And also, follow Starting Small Music on Instagram, at Starting Small Music, and let us know who you'd like to hear on the podcast next. And remember, everyone starts small.